Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 17. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Emile Poirier of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Let's dive into week 17. It looks very similar to week 16. Do you see anything uh, much changing uh, week to week here, Milt? No, actually, that was going to be my opening comment, is week 17 looks an awful lot like week 16. And I guess I would say that uh, there's two parts to that. On the CN side of things, that's pretty good. On the CP side of things, not so good. So just a quick recap, you know, CN came in at 89% order fulfillment, which was a a notch or two above the 87% we saw in week 16. And really is pretty consistent, with few exceptions, uh, with the performance that we've seen pretty much for the last three months. You know, if you go back to week seven, CN has been averaging 87% a week order fulfillment. They haven't, you know, fallen below or above that 80 to 90% range on a week-to-week basis for the most part. So, you know, steady is a is a fair description. And really, when you look inside the numbers, that consistency seems to prevail for the most part. Uh, They're pretty steady on a corridor basis, again, in week 17, where they delivered, you know, 81% or more of all cars ordered for all corridors. And we'll talk about the provinces, but the story is much the same there. And when you look down at the shipper level, they've been pretty consistent as well. They do continue to ration orders at some level pretty much every week, uh, nine out of the last 10, actually, a little bit more in week 17, but lower than we had been seeing in recent weeks. So, you know, in our prior conversations, we've kind of characterized this as their demand management strategy, if you will. And that seems to be ongoing. You know, if we look back over time, CN, when they first started using this rationing approach, kind of used it as what I call an emergency break strategy, which was to try and stem, you know, high waves of demand that they would get in some weeks during uh, the peak shipping season. But now I think what we're seeing, and we've talked about this, is that they've turned it into, you know, what I would call a strategic lever, uh, where they are actively using rationing uh, at some level consistently to, I think, match the demand that they're prepared to accept on a week-to-week basis against the capacity that they think they have available. So they're really looking to you know, not stretch themselves and not end up in the situation CP has ended up in. And the tool that they've discovered that they can use to do that with is is rationing. On the CP side, you know, unfortunately, not much changed from week 16. If you recall, week 16 was a particularly bad week. It was the worst week we had seen in in pretty much a month. They came in at 71%. So they kind of you know, ticked up a point in, in week 17 and, and got to 72% order fulfillment. Unfortunately, though, their their performance, you know, when we look inside the numbers is, is consistent, but it's consistently poor, whether that's a corridor level or, you know, at a shipper level or at a provincial level, it's very uneven. In week 17, for instance, they only supplied uh, 76% or less in all corridors, I think, Thunder Bay and Vancouver, which are their two biggest, they came in at 
Uh, when we look at shippers, you know, half the shippers did very well, uh, got almost the full complement of cars that they ordered, 97%. But the other half, you know, not so well. They were somewhere between 30 and 60%. So very uneven performance. And lastly, the, you know, the big issue that's been dogging CP for pretty much a couple of months now is the order backlog. And it's still with them. Week 16 was one of the worst weeks we had seen quite a while. They had just about 1,900 outstanding orders coming out of week 16 into week 17. So they improved a little bit on that, but they're still going into week 18 with uh, roughly 1,600 outstanding orders. So, you know, that backlog continues to dog them and it continues to take away capacity from meeting current week demand. So until they figure out a way to shape that, you know, I kind of think we're going to keep seeing a similar story here from week to week. Yeah, and CP, uh, the spotting levels are still pretty low compared to earlier in the year, correct? They are, which is, you know, kind of interesting when you think about it. Um, you know, we saw, if you go back to, I think, weeks 13, 14, 15, when we saw some of the better order fulfillment performance from CP, they were in the low to mid 80s for three straight weeks because demand was lower. That was, you know, the principal driver. And as we've talked about before, that demand was lower because shippers were, you know, managing their pipelines, given the service levels they were seeing, and they were pushing orders out and out and out into future weeks, which had the effect of lowering demand in those weeks. And CP did better on an order fulfillment basis. But the problem is they, they still weren't spotting enough cars to A, get rid of the backlog, which they carried all the way through that time period. You know, they were still averaging 700, 800 outstanding orders a week, which has just grown in the last two weeks. And they were spotting far fewer cars than, you know, what they said they would in their grain plan. You know, they committed to spot 6,000 plus cars a week, railway supplied cars. And, you know, they've spotted less than 5,000 cars uh, twice in the last four weeks and barely 6,000 cars one of those weeks. So, you know, it's a bit of a contradiction when you think about the fact that they've had opportunity to catch up. Shippers, for want of a better term, have cooperated to create that opportunity. But CP is not upping its game, if you will to spot the number of cars, A, that they need, and B, that they committed to, to get over that hump. So interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks, I think. For CN and their sort of strategic rationing, is there a consistent pattern week to week? Like, are they managing into certain corridors or regions, or is it um, is it more of a random rationing that they do? Uh, I can't say that I've seen anything that would necessarily resemble a pattern as to, you know, the origins or the origin regions uh, where they're doing rationing. On a corridor basis, it's it's fairly consistent and it's not surprising really when you look at, at the traffic flows. The majority of the rationing has been in the Vancouver corridor, which is not a surprise. It's the biggest corridor for CN. They've rationed very little to Prince Rupert which is a change from prior years. Truth be known, apart from a bunch of car bunching we've seen in the last few weeks, they've actually managed the demand into Prince Rupert fairly well. And they've done some rationing to Thunder Bay. So, you know, no consistent pattern with respect to origin regions where the rationing is happening, but very consistent with the fact that most of it has been in the Vancouver corridor. Okay, interesting. Thanks, Mill. Uh, provincially, 
you mentioned probably very similar. Anything stand out from the, amongst the provinces around performance? Not particularly. You know, CN is doing at the provincial level pretty much what they're doing at the system level. Week 17 was not uh, much different in that regard. You know, they were 95% in Alberta, 99% Manitoba, 81% Saskatchewan. So they're hitting that, you know, 80 to 90, and they were actually better than that in Alberta and Manitoba this past week, but steady and have been for quite a while. CP is also consistent with what they're doing at the uh, system level, unfortunately. It's consistently not good. Uh, I mean, the one exception there is Alberta. I'd say Alberta has seen by far the most consistent and best service from CP. If you go all the way back to, you know, week nine, which is kind of the end of September, first week of October, Manitoba and Saskatchewan have not been so fortunate. Very rocky, if you will, and uneven performance week to week in both of those provinces from CP going back over the last couple of months. And week 17, you know, just kind of pushed that same storyline down the road. Alberta came in at 86%. Manitoba came in at a dismal 47%. And Saskatchewan at 76%. So, you know, Alberta shippers are doing okay, pretty much. And uh, the other two provinces, not so well. Yeah, thanks, Milt. Let's take a quick look at some other, other issues we've been tracking. You know, how's demand been? Are we seeing a pretty steady demand from, from shippers on the railways? Yeah, demand hasn't changed a lot from, you know, the picture that we've been talking for about for a couple of weeks. Uh, CP's demand is, you know, has been and continues to be consistently higher than CN. We see lots of week-to-week volatility in CP's demand, but a big driver of that is what shippers are doing. Their dedicated train scheduling, which represents 85% of CP's business, so that creates a lot of variability. And CN, you know, as we just talked about a couple of minutes ago, continues to manage its demand through, you know, some level of week-to-week rationing. So on that front, the story remains pretty much as it has been. Now we've got the challenge of, of winter. You've had some cold temperatures. We talked about it last week, but it's definitely still lingered in a lot of the prairie provinces. Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about winter a lot, but it's a critical time for the railways, right? Especially with CP when they're carrying so many orders on the books and, you know, it becomes difficult for them to, to catch up. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, we all know and history has told us uh, repeatedly that uh, the system has generally slows down in the winter months, particularly when the temperature gets cold. I expect that we're going to start to hear the railway, you know, winter is here, extreme cold story to rationalize or justify service levels here in the coming weeks. As you say, uh, a bit of a rough patch here on the prairies over the last week or so. Uh, Alberta's kind of shaken it off today, although we were, you know, wind chills minus 35, minus 40 yesterday, a milder today and through the balance of the week, although the cold is still very much sitting over top of Saskatchewan and Manitoba uh, today and for the next couple of days. And this is a big issue for CP, as you say, uh, because of the backlog, and we know their fleet uh, seems to be fully deployed. So there's no opportunity to improve capacity to manage that backlog unless they can turn those cars faster. And unfortunately, the cold weather and winter generally uh, is going to work against that kind of strategy because you tend to turn cars more slowly when it's cold uh, and capacity tends to go down. So, you know, they're, to use a technical term, they're in a bit of a pickle. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. This is the time and we start to receive them now where the railways do start to communicate directly with either shippers or organizations around their winter opter- operations and restrictions. So we're definitely being sort of sensitized to, to the potential for, uh, for significant drops in, in service levels at this time of year. Speaking of which, Thunder Bay. So we talked a little bit last week about Thunder Bay and its impending closure. It's not closed yet, right? We're still expecting it to be open for a few more weeks. Yeah, it, it typically around the third week of December, give or take, depending on you know weather and, and scheduled vessels and whatnot. This year, I don't know if winter is a little slower to come and it's a little bit milder. I mean, it's all about when the seaway freezes up, right? And when the seaway closes, that that's that. So we'll see, but I would expect it to close, give or take roughly when it normally has historically, which would be around week 22 or 23 on the grain calendar. And the direct impact of that is that uh, pattern, uh, traffic patterns, you know, are going to shift. So instead of traffic going to Thunder Bay, you're going to see more traffic moving directly to Eastern Canada by rail. And you're going to see probably a higher level of traffic trying to go via the West Coast uh, to Vancouver and Prince Rupert, which makes those two corridors and service in those corridors from CN and CP that much more important. We do know that, you know, Vancouver has challenged uh, CN and CP, uh, CP mostly already this year. So, you know, when you add the pressure of potentially more volume once Thunder Bay closes and layer on top of that winter, it should make for uh, an interesting month or so ahead uh, ahead of us, I think. Yeah, and and a lot of the markets we the Canada ships to especially through the east are, are pretty robust right now the eu particularly there's, um, there's a lot of movements of product there so it will be interesting to see how how the how these patterns change something we'll be watching for in the coming weeks well thanks a lot milt for your insight as always for those who would like to see the reports you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com and we will speak to you all next week bye